This is a sermon preached in the pulpit of Eden Grove Presbyterian Church, Bowen Hinch, Northern Ireland. A place where we believe that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. We turn to the Word of God this morning, and today we continue our series in 2 Corinthians, and we have arrived at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you've got your Bible, please reach for it, please open it at 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to read the whole chapter this morning. And this is the Word of God. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. And we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, But life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. And we thank God today for his precious word. 
It seems that every time I step in front of this camera, things in the world around us have not improved. This week is no different. Our politicians once again have warned us about the changes that might still need to be implemented. The freedom that we have seen return to us might be taken away again. Even some have said, oh, this year Christmas is going to be cancelled. At the minute, it seems like doom and gloom abounds. And wherever we go, wherever we end up, we seem to be speaking about COVID. I was in my favourite shop this past week, b and I'm in there quite a bit. And as I stood in the queue with my mask on, there was a lady in front lamenting the holidays that she had lost, lamenting the state of the world that we are in, and taking much longer than she needed to at the checkout because she wanted to get it all out. I'm not criticising a woman. It feels like we're all in that boat. Everything at the minute is bad. Some of us might even be saying right now, what's the point? Why do we bother? After all, life is always tough. Life is always hard. And this pandemic has just made it even worse. Why do I bother? My brothers and sisters, some of you, I know, seem for quite some time never to be able to catch a break. Some of you right now as you listen to this are going through the worst of days. Forget about pandemics, forget about illness and all that sort of stuff. All around us and touching surfaces and face masks, put all that to one side. Some of you have broken hearts. Some of you have circumstances and families that do not seem to be able to be fixed. Some of you have the darkest storms that have descended upon you And it feels like the worst is yet to come. Why do we bother? How will we get through? What is the point? Some of you this morning might say. As we come to this chapter, I pray that it will be a chapter of encouragement as we get into it today. It is a chapter that Paul does not shy away from the frailty of our human existence, but instead he reminds us of the glorious hope that is ours in Christ. He begins by saying in verse 1, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. Paul was a minister of the new covenant as we discovered in the previous chapter. And it is by God's mercy that he has that ministry. Therefore, he says, we do not lose heart. Straight away. Paul is a minister of the gospel, is a hopeful minister. He is a confident minister. He is a minister who understands toil and trouble in his life. But straight away, he lays out his case before the Corinthians and he says, we are ministers of this new covenant, ministers of the gospel, the covenant of grace, which says by faith in Christ, you are saved. And therefore, this glorious gospel causes us to have confidence so that we do not lose heart and you say to yourself but Scott of course he would say that he's an apostle why would he lose heart he is able to do signs and wonders the signs of an apostle he's able to go and preach and proclaim and see many saved and churches planted of course he would say he lived in extraordinary days But my brothers and sisters, remember the context of this letter. Remember the difficulty that Paul had faced in Corinth. Remember the opponents who had stood against him and called him names and run down his ministry and pointed to how he looked. Remember all of those troubles. And then later when we get into 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul lists the difficulties that he has faced. 
This was no man living in an ivory tower far away from the realities of the world. And yet even in his own suffering, his own difficulty, he is able to say with confidence that we do not lose heart. I do not go about Balanhin shouting and roaring. Maybe I should. Maybe because the days are short and desperately wicked, maybe I should start tapping people on the shoulder more. But perhaps what I could say into this town and into lives of people watching this video or engaging in other ways, what I could say is that there is nothing more glorious or precious than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why is it that the church in every age has been able to keep on going, even when empires have stood against it, even when pandemics have uh, reduced it in numbers, even when it is persecuted into the dirt? Why does the church keep on going? Why does the gospel keep on proceeding? Why do men and women still be willing to give up their lives for the cause of Christ? Because they have come to realize that there is nothing more glorious than the gospel. Nothing more wonderful than the message of Jesus dying for the sins of his people and rising again from the dead for their justification. This gospel message, if anything, is made of precious gold. And therefore, we do not lose heart. Paul says that this gospel is what he preaches. And he does it with integrity and he does it with truth. He has renounced, he says in verse 2, secret and shameful ways. This is not a man who's going to get a magic smoke machine somewhere so you think the cloud of God has descended. This is not a man that gets fake feathers falling from the ceiling and claiming that they belong to angels. He has renounced secret and shameful ways. And Paul does not use deception to bring the gospel to the Corinthians, nor does he distort the word of God. On the contrary, he says, as verse 2 comes to a close, he sets forth the truth plainly. Paul opens the word and he preaches what it says. Paul takes a verse and he shares its true meaning. It may not seem flashy or fancy or anything else. Paul has already been criticized. Oh, he's a big man in his letters, but when he gets in your face, he's not worth bothering with. Paul admits that. He says, I come I preach the truth plainly, but because of this, our method, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And what Paul means here is that as these Corinthians are hearing and preach, hearing this letter, then they will know that he's speaking the truth. As they consider Paul and as they consider his ministry, they will know that he didn't come with flash, bang and wallop. They will know that he didn't come to make a name for himself. Paul did not come to preach Paul. Paul did not come to fill Paul's purse. Instead, Paul came to set forth the truth plainly. Therefore, because we have this apostolic teaching kept by God's grace for his bride, the church. Therefore, today, since we also preach this truth plainly at the end of 2020, in the midst of all the doom and gloom, therefore, we too do not lose heart. My brothers and sisters, one of the joys of doing this online stuff is, is the simple truth that you don't know where it gets to. And I know that many of you listening to this are not members of Eden Grove and never will be members of Eden Grove. But I do not lose heart over that. I rejoice over that. And I pray that it will be a message of encouragement to the church of Jesus Christ, wherever she may be. 
Today, if you are down in the mouth, losing heart, today if you think that there is no hope in this world, and once again, I urge you to look at the local church. I urge you to see the place in your town where you live, where the gospel is preached plainly, where the sacraments are ministered correctly, and where discipline is exercised. Go to that place, sit socially distanced in that place, but rejoice in that place, in the fellowship of the saints, and where the gospel is preached plainly. It seems to me that we lose heart much more easily when we have divorced ourselves from the local church, when we have convinced ourselves that what is offered there Sunday by Sunday is irrelevant and doesn't really matter. As we take our place in those local fellowships, as we sit under that word, as we rejoice in the fellowship of the saints, we do not lose heart even in these dark days. Paul comes to the local church in Corinth and he preaches plainly the gospel message. But Paul makes it clear that his gospel is not for everyone. He speaks in verse 3 of his gospel being veiled, but it is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse 4, the God of this age who is Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And there straight away we think, well, Scott, you have said several times in this sermon, we do not lose heart. But if this is the opposition that we face, then we should lose heart. Because we live in towns and cities and villages and places where we are surrounded by unbelievers. In every town and village and city on this island, Christian people are vast, the majority. And so therefore we look at the, the darkness in the world. We look at how the God of this world, who is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And we may be tempted to say, what can be done? My brothers and sisters, remember it was last week in chapter 3 where Paul has told us that Jesus is able to unveil the eyes of sinners. And because we know this to be true, and because we are unashamed of the gospel, and because we know its wonderful power, we do not lose heart. In this day and age of doom and gloom and pandemic, we preach the gospel without fear or favour. In this day and age, when we are confronted by all different kinds of sin all around us, all different kinds of hardness all around us, and we are tempted to shrink back and to fear in our bunker somewhere, we do not lose heart. Because Jesus can take the hard-hearted sinner and soften that heart. Jesus can take the stiff-necked sinner and turn that neck. Jesus can take a life that is in the pit and lift it from the pit. And he does it by the power of the gospel at work in this world. Therefore, Church of Jesus Christ, we do not lose heart. We preach Christ and we preach him crucified. We preach Jesus who is the image of God. He is the second person of the Trinity. Not a good man, but fully God, fully man and without sin. This is who we preach. And this is what Paul says in verse 5. We, what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul is a servant of the local church in Corinth, and he comes again not saying, look at me, look at me, buy my books, buy my teaching, subscribe to my mailing list. He says, I preach Christ. I preach Jesus as Lord. 
Paul was not gathering disciples or acolytes for himself, but instead, knowing the danger that the spiritually lost are in, he comes and he preaches Christ to see many brought out of darkness into the wonderful light. He says in verse 6, For God said, Let light shine out of darkness. And he has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Again, for Paul, the act of conversion is not all about man. It's not man trying to be better, man trying to be good, man reading the Bible more, man doing all of this stuff. If anyone is to come to salvation, if anyone's eyes are being opened, then it is a supernatural act. It is the Lord who works in the lives of sinners to bring them to a place of repentance and faith. God makes his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, even in these days of darkness, it is as we started our service by saying the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. My friends, it is easy in these days, these October days, to begin to feel the, the onset of winter. I am 41 and, and I know that I'm getting older and one of the reasons that I know it is any time I step foot outside the house I, I pull my coat a wee bit closer and I'll say oh there's a chill in the air, there's a chill in the air, it's not what you say when you become an eye lad, there's a chill in the air, it's getting dark you know, oh, but even though October is here and there's a chill in the air and it's getting dark you know, even though those things are true, we do not lose heart because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is the crucified lamb who comes to take away the sin of the world. And Jesus is the one who is able to save to the uttermost, to the uttermost, those who draw near to him. My brothers and sisters, today we do not lose heart. Today we are confident in Christ. And we are confident in the gospel. And therefore we preach it. We proclaim it. We declare in this nation, in this harlot land, we declare that Jesus Christ is a saviour of sinners. And we outline what happened on that hill, that, that Christ was nailed to a rugged cross, not for his own sin, but for the sin of many. And we argue that at that cross, his blood paid the price for our sins. He was our substitute. And we argue that Jesus was dead and buried. Not pretend dead, not pretend buried, but dead on the cross, placed in a tomb. And from that tomb, he was raised again to life on the third day. I know that many of you will be sitting there saying, we've heard this before, Scott. We know this back to front. We live in Northern Ireland where there are a hundred different churches on every single town. We know this stuff, but my friends, hear it and breathe it in and do not lose heart. It is Christ and it is the gospel that gives us this wonderful hope that even though we live in days of trouble, then truly the best is yet to come. See, Paul understood that for the Christian life, it would not be easy. It would not be jelly and ice cream and walks on the beach. 
And he says in verse 7 that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Isn't that a, a wonderful way to speak of the human condition, a jar of clay, something easily broken, something incredibly fragile, something that probably isn't going to last hundreds and hundreds of years. Paul says this treasure that we have, this unveiled gospel that we know who Jesus is, we have it in jars of clay. We have it in weakness. We have it in frailty. We have it in this human condition that knows that life is incredibly short. We are but a vapor. We are like the grass that flourishes and then it is gone. And the reason for this, says Paul at the end of verse 7, is to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. If we have ever been tempted to think that we are the big girl or the big lad in the big picture, that it's all about us, that we've been saved because of our skills or talents or abilities. If we've ever been tempted to think that we will meet every challenge in life head on because we are the best version possible of who we can be, then we are fools. We are kidding ourselves. Only by faith in Christ can we be saved and only in the strength of God will we persevere to the very end. We have the treasure of the unveiled gospel in these jars of clay to show that all the power and therefore all the glory belongs to the Lord and not to us. And here is what it is to be a Christian. Paul says in verse 8 that we are hard pressed on every side. He says as verse 8 continues that we are perplexed. In verse 9, he describes the condition of believers as being persecuted and also struck down. Now, there are elements of these two verses that we in the West struggle to understand. It has been a long time since we have understood persecution for our faith or being struck down because of our faith. But these verses are common to the Christian church throughout the world in this very age. Believers all across this world today understand persecution and death as the order of the day. Perhaps though personally you know what it is to be hard pressed. You understand the pressure that is put upon you by a father in your home that is an unbeliever. And he wants the kids to play rugby at the weekend but they'll never darken the door of the church. And some of you know what it is to be crushed. Some of you know what it is to be crushed in spirit, to have broken hearts, to have bad news about members of your family who you love dearly or bad news for yourself. Here is the common Christian experience in this world. We are in jars of clay, which you would imagine hard-pressed would smash. You'd imagine if they experienced any persecution, they would be utterly lost and utterly bereft of any hope but it is not the case says Paul as believers we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed as believers we will often be perplexed about that which we are going through but we are not in despair as believers we may know persecution but we will never be abandoned and as believers we may even lose our lives for the faith that we profess but we will not be destroyed how is this so? How is this so? My brothers and sisters, 
It is due to the all-surpassing power that is from God and not from us. Therefore, we do not lose hope. Therefore, we continue on. We persevere. We look on to Jesus and he will get us to the finishing line. You see, Paul knew what it was to have the shadow of death hanging over him every single day. He says in verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. And he kind of repeats it in verse 11. He says, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. And Paul explains this somewhat in Galatians 6 and verse 17. He says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. What could he possibly mean? Were nails driven into his hands? Was his side pierced? No. If you go later into this book and if you read the trouble and the turmoil of Paul the Apostle, then you will know that there is no question his body would have been scarred and bruised and beaten by the various trials and punishments that he endured. There is no doubt that Paul may not have been much to look at but he could say with truth, with dignity, with integrity that he carried around in his body the death of Christ. He knew suffering. He knew trouble. He knew what it was to be hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. But he also knew what it was to not be crushed, to not be in despair, to never be abandoned and never be destroyed because of the all-surpassing power of God at work in Paul, this jar of clay. And my friends, we have this same hope. But even in these difficult times, Paul was still able to say that the life of Christ would be revealed in his body. Verse 11, he was able to say, so that the life, his life, Jesus' life, might also be revealed in our mortal body. And in verse 12, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Paul understood that the Christian life is short. The Christian life at times is incredibly hard and difficult and lonely and awkward and frustrating and worrisome, but we will not be abandoned. We will never, ever be lost. We will endure and persevere to the finishing line. And therefore today, we have hope. You see, our hope is centered in God's all-surpassing power. And it is that power that raised Christ from the dead. And my friends, today, even if all those words in verses 8 and 9 apply to you this hour, even now if you're struggling to believe a word I say because you know, you know what it is to be hard-pressed. You, you feel like you're being pushed into the grinder and, and spat out at the end and you've lost something. You're not the same. You're, you're broken. You're sore. You're hurt. You're bitter. You're tired. You know this. My brother and my sister, I pray that the Lord would draw near to you and remind you of the life that he has won for you. Jesus came so that we might have this abundant life. The light of the world 
stepped into the darkness and overcame the darkness so that you and I, through faith in Christ, might be saved. The all-surpassing power of God has been, is, and will be at work. And so we are jars of clay that keep this gospel hope within. We are stopped by death, but we have received life through the gospel of Jesus. And one day, we will be raised imperishable. One day, this mortal body will put on immortality. One day, this jar of clay will shatter, but on the last day, this mortal body will stand again, never to shatter once more. It is our hope today that by the all-surpassing power of God, the dead will be raised to life. No more sin, no more cancer, no more weakness, no more pandemic, no more frustration or persecution or famine, nakedness or sword, no more death. But only Jesus. Only Jesus. What a day that is going to be. What a day it will be. When faith becomes sight. No wonder Paul could say then in verse 13. It is written. I believed. And therefore I have spoken. Paul takes this from Psalm 116. And verse 10. In that psalm the psalmist says in verse 3. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. And yet even as the psalmist wrote that in the very next verse, he spoke about calling upon the Lord. The psalmist of Psalm 116 was like the apostle of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Both believed and both therefore spoke. Paul says, I have believed this. I believe this gospel is kept in this jar of clay, it is kept safe even through the worst of trials that I have to suffer and face. And since we have that same spirit of faith, since I and, and the psalmist have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. Paul could not stop preaching the gospel. It was the grounds of his hope. It was the only message he had. He could not stop preaching the gospel. The beautiful, glorious, good news of Jesus. Paul proclaims it to the ends of the earth because there is no other message that came close. I have believed it and therefore I speak it, says the apostle. We know, verse 14, that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. There's the Christian hope. There's why we aren't undone. There's why we're not today, even in the midst of speeches by Boris and pandemics that don't go away and worry and fear and short circuits and, and lockdowns and second waves. There is why we can get out of bed every single day and plant our feet and say, today for Christ and for his glory. Today I will speak of Jesus. 
Today I will trust in Jesus. Today I will call upon him and look upon him and rest in him because that is where I find my hope. I believe and therefore I have spoken and I am sure that God will raise me again to life one day and I will be presented to the Lord by Jesus. My friends, what a glorious future belongs to the Christian. What a glorious future lies ahead for the believer. This past week, the PCI, but not just the PCI, the church, the wider church, lost a dear brother and a dear friend. His name was Noel Agnew. I first met Noel on the Shankill Road in about 2005. And from that day to this, he was to me a friend, a mentor. We laughed together. We joked together, but most of all, we spoke of Christ together. He would draw near and he would ask how your week had been. And of course, me tending to be usually glass half empty, I will come and whinge and gurn and all the rest. And Noel, in his usual gruff sort of way, would tell you to get over yourself, to stop your whinging, and to tell you something good that the Lord had done. He always got you to that place where you focused again on Jesus. Today we have all heard of Noel's death and today we are all desperately sad about it. But my friends, I can only imagine what my brother Noel Agnew experiences even now in the presence of his Lord. We love him and we will miss him. But the Christian hope is that we will see him again. And this power does not belong to Noel or to me or to you, but it comes from the Lord. And we have this gospel in jars of clay that can so easily be smashed, so easily go. But we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart, even though as Paul says in verse 16, we are wasting away. We do not lose heart because yet inwardly we are being renewed every day, says the apostle. We are, we are being sanctified every single day. This is a reason for hope. By word and spirit, by the ordinary means of grace, the Lord is growing us up in the faith. He is making us more like Christ one day this body of death will be put to one side. One day we will be with Jesus. And even the troubles that we have right now, Paul calls them in verse 17, light and momentary troubles. They don't seem light and momentary at the minute. But as we go through them, they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so, my friends, as grace abounds, as verse 15 says, more and more people are being reached with the gospel. More and more thanksgiving is, is flowing out to glory to God. We do not lose heart. Instead, we 
fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen, all this stuff around us, is only temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Here is our hope. Here is why even now, today, our hearts are not given over to spur and doom and gloom. Because of what Christ has done for our sake, we fix our eyes on him and have hope. Some of us understand this and some of us don't. Some of us think that, that all there is around us is all there is. Life is for the living. It's for the enjoying. It's for making the most out of it. Because after all, life is short and then you die and nothing comes next. But my friends, please hear me. Eternity comes next. It is spent and the eternal fires of an eternal hell for those who have rejected Jesus. Or it is spent in the eternal glory of an eternal heaven with Jesus. What story will be written for you? I mentioned this week in the day-to-day -day devotions about the theology of graveyards in our land. Take a trip to any graveyard especially Rose Lawn up there, and you will see what we believe in Northern Ireland. There are many that put a badge of Rangers or Celtic or Chelsea or Man United on their gravestone. There are many that have written on it for God and for Ulster or flags etched in or put in front. And even this week I reminded you about Martin McGuinness, the former Deputy First Minister, and on his headstone it says that he was a volunteer in the IRA. My friends, all of that is rubbish. What will be written on your gravestone? Will you get them to write a tale about the things of this world and about how wonderful your football team was or how you stood up for the Ulster men every single week? Or will you take a leaf out of the psalm that Paul had referred to here, Psalm 116? And in that psalm we read these beautiful words that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Even when we lose our friends, even when we lose our mentors, even when the church experiences a loss and a gap is created that we Wonder how we will ever fill. Even then we do not lose hope because we have trusted in Christ and we know that the one who has looked on to Jesus is saved and with him and is precious in his sight. May that be written on my headstone and on yours as we repent of our sins and as we receive Jesus by faith then we are saved and because of this truth therefore we do not lose hope